0: Welcome to Pushback. I'm Aaron Mate. The Syrian province of Idlib is facing a humanitarian disaster in what could be the last major battle of Syria's nine-year proxy war. The Syrian government, with Russia's backing, is retaking Idlib from Turkish, U.S., and Gulf-backed militants. Under heavy bombardment, hundreds of thousands of people have fled their homes. Mark Locock, the UN's emergency relief coordinator, says nowhere in Idlib is safe.
1: People are fleeing under horrendous conditions. Many are on foot or on the backs of trucks in below freezing temperatures, in the rain and in the snow. They're moving into increasingly crowded areas they think will be safer. But in Idlib, nowhere is safe.
0: For many weeks now, Western audiences have seen the harrowing images coming out of Idlib and learned of the massive civilian suffering there but we have not been given the full picture. The militants who control Idlib are often described as rebels, without specifying who they actually are. Idlib is mostly controlled by a group called Hayat Tahrir al-Sham, which essentially is a rebranded affiliate of Al-Qaeda. And they and other jihadist groups have ruled Idlib for several years with the help of Turkey and its allies. Under the Sochi agreement, brokered with Russia in 2018, Turkey committed to disarm and neutralize the jihadi groups that control Idlib. That has not happened. In fact, Turkey is threatening a direct military escalation on their behalf. Turkey has sent thousands of troops into Idlib and is even saying it might launch an operation against Syrian forces unless they pull back. Well, to discuss all this, I spoke earlier with Scott Ritter, a former Marine Corps intelligence officer and former UN weapons inspector. Scar Ritter, welcome to Pushback. The Turkish president, Erdogan, has threatened to invade Idlib unless uh, Syrian army forces uh, withdraw behind uh, Turkish positions. What is your assessment of this threat?
2: Well, I mean, it's reflective of the desperate situation that uh, Erdogan and uh, in Turkey find uh, themselves in today. Uh, you know, back in 2011, 2012, um, Erdogan made a big gamble. Uh, he gambled on regime change. He said he he, he voted on the side of um, you know the the Syrian opposition, uh, which he himself helped create, and um, and began supporting forces who were seeking to overthrow uh, Syrian President uh, Bashar al-Assad. Um, you know the 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 Assad government had a lot of resiliency. Uh, it wasn't as easy as uh, Erdogan thought it would be. Um, Moreover, once you began the process of deconstructing Syrian society, like uh, you know, which happens when you have civil uh, civil war type conflict, um, you know, other players get to vote uh, that maybe you didn't uh, you you didn't consider when it first happened. Around 2012, um, to, you know, uh, let's back up during when the United States invaded Iraq in 2003, uh, a large number of Syrians. Uh, traveled to Iraq to participate in the um, anti-American opposition. There was a large number of Syrian fighters who joined uh, an organization that, that morphed into what's called Al Qaeda in Iraq. Uh, around 2012, uh, AQI, uh, at that time headed by a guy named um, Baghdadi, uh, who later we, we killed in Idlib, but, uh, he, he ordered a gentleman named um, uh, Jolani uh, to take a cell of AQI operatives into Syria and uh, make contact with um, Sunni Islamist fundamentalists to to form up a um, an opposition group that that later morphed into something called uh, Al Nusra Front. Uh, Al Nusra Front turned out to be one of the most effective um, com- uh, combatants on the field of battle. They were uh, they they dominated. Um, they were able to defeat the Syrian army, push them back. Not only that, they were able to uh, take over or intimidate uh, other um, you know, rebel forces, including many of those that were allied with Turkey. So uh, this, this group on this front, this Al Qaeda group became the dominant fighting force, anti-regime force uh, in Iraq. This created a problem for Turkey because now the, you know, rather than having uh, uh, units aligned with the, the Turkish vision of what a post-war Syria should look like, um, you have this Islamist fundamentalist group uh, with, with visions of a, of a caliphate, um, you know, dominating the, the battlefield. Um, and, you know, the success of al-Nusra um, was one of the reasons why the, uh, the, the Russians intervened in 2015, uh, and, you know, the Russian intervention changed everything. Um, you know, in the summer of 2015, it looked as if Bashar assad was, was gone, he was going to be, he was finished, that he, his, his, his government would collapse. Once the Russians came into play, this immediately was stabilized, not only that, they turned they the, the tide of battle. Long story short. By um, late 2017, um, early 2018, uh, the rebel forces throughout Syria had been defeated, and uh, those that had survived had concentrated in this northern province of Syria called Idlib. Um, 80 to 90 percent of the effective combatants in Idlib belonged to um, an organization called HTS, which is the the, it, basically a rebranded version of al-Nusra. There, there became a problem in 2015 and later in 2017 of getting supplies uh, from the United States, from Qatar, from Saudi Arabia uh, to al-Nusra front because they were an al-Qaeda affiliate. So uh, they sort of backed away from calling themselves al-Qaeda. They renamed themselves, rebranded themselves. But at the end of the day, they're an al-Qaeda affiliate. Um, and so Turkey's uh, number one um, ally, so to speak, in Idlib is al-Qaeda, Uh, This is a political problem for Erdogan, but he also has a a social problem, that is refugees. Nearly 3.7 million Syrian refugees are currently residing in Turkey. This is a a huge domestic political problem. And if Idlib falls, you can see uh, upwards of another 3 million uh, pouring into Turkey. This is something that Erdogan cannot allow. So he needs a stable Idlib. Uh, And in September 2018, he negotiated together with Russia and Iran What's called the Sochi agreement. A uh, key aspect of the Sochi agreement is that Turkey would establish uh, observation posts along the periphery of Idlib. These are military observation posts um, that were put in places that were called de-escalation zones. That is where there would be a, a ceasefire, so to speak. But in addition to deploying these forces, um, Turkey was supposed to disarm uh, HTS, this Al Qaeda affiliate, and evacuate their fighters from these de-escalation zones. Turkey did not do this. Turkey simply put the observation posts in place. HTS remained in place uh, and continued to attack uh, Syrian army positions. Uh, This was an unacceptable situation for the Syrian government. And uh, starting in late uh, December of 2018, they began a series of attacks that that continued throughout 2019 uh, and and continue, continue on to the day. These attacks have been very effective in, in defeating HTS. Uh, the Syrians have opened up a strategic highway between Damascus and Aleppo, the M5 highway. They've recaptured um, you know, uh, uh, Aleppo city proper. They've recaptured much of the territory uh, of, of Idlib. Uh, they've defeated HTS. Uh, and so the Turkish nightmare of these millions of Syrian refugees pointing to its borders has become a reality. Turkey has deployed thousands of troops and thousands of pieces of equipment into Idlib in an effort to stabilize the situation. But they've not been able to put backbone uh, into the HTS fighters. The, the, the insurgents are being defeated on a daily basis. The Syrian army is victorious. And now Erdogan has a problem uh, to do nothing and let Syria reclaim Idlib or um, you draw a line and, and fight. The problem is he can't fight. Who's he going to fight? A Syrian army that's been engaged in a war for 11 years, combat hardened, backed by Russian troops on the ground, Russian aircraft in the air. Uh, this is this is a fight that Turkey cannot win. Uh, the best Turkey can hope for right now is to get Russian agreement on a uh, on a new ceasefire uh, that would redraw these de-escalation zones, and maybe this time Turkey would take it seriously and um, and and evacuate HTS. There there's been indications in the press that uh, Turkish intelligence has been meeting with uh, Jolani and the HCS command in an effort to get them to rebrand themselves as uh, the Free Syrian Army, the so-called moderate rebel forces, and then have them depart Idlib to uh, Afrin, which is part of a a Turkish-controlled area further in northeastern Syria. Um, This would turn over Idlib to um, entities such as the Free Syrian Army uh, that Russia and the Syrian government could begin the process of uh, political reconciliation uh, with. But right now, Russia and and the Syrian government will not engage with HTS. HTS will not engage with them. And so long as HTS is on the ground, Erdogan's got a big problem.
0: But speaking of problems, does the so-called Free Syrian Army even exist anymore? I mean, my understanding understanding of it was that it was basically taken over by these al-Qaeda-linked groups uh, a long time
2: ago. Well, what we call this, Free – or what is called the Free Syrian Army today uh, has no um, bearing whatsoever on what the original Free Syrian Army was. The Free Syrian – the original Free Syrian Army was uh, comprised of um, defectors from the uh, Syrian Army, from the Syrian security forces, and uh, secular um, uh, elements of of Syrian society, Uh, some who – maybe not so secular, linked with the Muslim Brotherhood, but – who had a, a vision of a tolerant um, post-Syrian uh, government to replace uh, Bashar al-Assad. Uh, this Free Syrian Army is gone, it's been destroyed, it's been disbanded, it's been taken over. What exists today are either Turkish-backed jihadists, such as uh, Turkmen forces, Uyghurs, that um, have, have been brought in from, uh, from China, um, extreme foreign elements um, that operate under a banner of, 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 you know, of the Turkish army, and then HTS, Uh, but there is no moderate rebel force in Syria today.
0: Let me ask you about the U.S. role. So you just recently had uh, Pompeo uh, voicing support for Erdogan's operations in Idlib. You had the U.S. envoy to Syria, Jeffrey, uh, visiting Turkey and voicing support for Erdogan. And you hear very little talk about who actually controls Idlib, uh, these Al-Qaeda linked groups. Now, contrast that to, to just a few years ago, when you had a very different tune coming out of uh, the mouths of uh, US officials. So for example, Brett McGurk, uh, the former US envoy to the coalition fighting ISIS. This is him speaking in July, 2017. And he describes Idlib as the largest Al-Qaeda safe haven since
3: 9-11. Look, Idlib province is the largest Al-Qaeda safe haven since 9-11 tied directly to Ayman al sahiri This is a huge problem. It's been a problem for some time. We have shown the spotlight, the international spotlight on ISIS. Um, we've been very focused on Al-Qaeda in Idlib province. Leaders of Al-Qaeda that make their way to Idlib province often do not make their way out of there. But we have to ask a question, why and how is Ayman al Zawahiri's deputy finding his way to Idlib province? Why is this happening? How are they getting there? They're not paratroopers. So And the approach, I obviously will not talk about anything the U.S. government has done in certain parts of Syria on this problem, but the approach by some of our partners to send in tens of thousands of uh, tens of thousands of tons of of weapons and looking the other way as these foreign fighters come into Syria may not have been the best approach. And uh, Al-Qaeda has taken full advantage of it. And Idlib now is a huge problem. It is an Al-Qaeda safe haven right on the border of Turkey.
2: First of all, I will say that uh, I think uh, Mr. McGurk is somewhat confused about the reality on the ground uh, inside Idlib. Um, you know, HTS is a Syrian organization. It is not a, a an organization that embraces foreign fighters, so to speak. Um, uh, the the philosophical um, underpinning of HTS uh, comes from a, a um, an Islamist, uh, last name of Susri, I believe, who uh, used to be a member of the Muslim Brotherhood, participated in the 1982 Holmes uprising that was crushed, uh, went on to fight in Afghanistan against the Soviet Union, and came back and in 1991, wrote a scathing um, uh, critique of the Muslim Brotherhood and, and its approach. And it's, it, it talked about a new kind of uh, global jihadism, a, a, a new uh fighting against the West. And then in 2004, he updated this with, uh, with, with, a, with a new book. Um, this 2004 book that he wrote about global jihadism uh, is one of the major philosophical underpinnings of Al-Qaeda today. Um, but it, this is a Syrian that wrote the book, and he is the philosophical um, foundation of, um, of Al-Qaeda in Syria. So HTS is Al-Qaeda. It has loyalties to Al-Qaeda but it is a Syrian-based organization. Its fighters are almost completely Syrian, maybe some Jordanians, maybe some Iraqi, uh, you know, tribal elements that, that are related, but it's a regional uh, entity focused on, um, on Syria. It's not the, uh, the, the, the magnet for uh, foreign jihadists that, say, ISIS was or some of the pro-Turkish uh, groups. Uh, many of the, um, of the so-called Free Syrian Army that uh, Turkey employs today in Idlib are foreign jihadists operating under the, uh, the you know the Turkish banner, but not HTS. HTS is, is a Syrian phenomenon. Uh, so McGurk, I think, was, was off in terms of his description of what was taking place. But he's right. It is still an Al-Qaeda-linked uh, organization, and um, somehow it, it was able to acquire um, hundreds of millions of dollars of American munitions. Um, and, and funding to pay its uh, troops. I mean, if you take a look at the weapons that HTS is using today on the battlefield, uh, tow missiles. Uh, these were supposed to be missiles only provided to the vetted, um, so-called moderate opposition. HTS owns them all. They captured them from the uh, from from uh, the, the 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 moderate rebels, or they incorporated the moderate rebels into their into their ranks. They are also equipped with uh, a tremendous number of Turkish. Uh, Armored vehicles. The paint job on these vehicles is exactly the same as the Turkish military. In short, the Turkish military drove it across the border, turned it over, turned the keys over to them, and and they these are operating now under the banner of HTS. Um, We do have a problem in Idlib province, and the problem is, you know, a a jihadist presence uh, loyal to Al Qaeda that um, is not going to agree to any political compromise with the Assad regime. So the choice there is either to evacuate them, where to, or kill them. And by killing them, you create this humanitarian disaster that's unfolding with uh, hundreds of thousands, if not more, uh, civilians fleeing to the Turkish border.
0: Let me play a clip about that uh, as we wrap uh, from Mark Lokok, who is the UN Emergency Relief Coordinator. He spoke recently to CNN.
1: There is, of course, a huge relief operation where we are bringing tents and food and shelter and sleeping bags and stoves and warm clothes across the border from Turkey with the cooperation of the Turkish authorities. But it's completely overwhelmed by this onslaught. You know, if this goes on, what we're going to see is Idlib, that part of northwestern Syria, turned into the world's biggest pile of rubble strewn with the corpses of a million children.
2: Look, Turkey has just created this problem itself. Turkey is solely responsible for this. Turkey has uh, enabled Idlib to become this, uh, this last bastion of uh, radical Islamic jihadism, this of Al-Qaeda, etc. Um, but, you know, with all due respect to the UN, UN humanitarian coordinator, um, you know, it, this is a gross exaggeration. I'm not going to minimize the humanitarian suffering that's taking place hundreds of thousands of people on the border. But the notion that uh, it's going to become this rubble-strewn uh, wasteland littered with the corpses of a, of a million Syrian children is absurd. I spend hours every day viewing the frontline combat footage um, uh, of, of the Syrian Army advancing of the Russian Air Force, the Syrian Air Force. Um, you know, when the Russians drop bombs, when the Syrians drop bombs, it's not done haphazardly. They have drones overhead that have tracked uh, jihadists into buildings. Now, these buildings may be occupied by civilians, but you see dozens of jihadists enter these buildings before they're bombed. This is precision bombing. Um, they, they just don't haphazardly drop bombs to create a, uh, you know, a, a field of rubble. This is a targeted military action against a very determined enemy with um hundreds of thousands of civilians tragically caught in between. This is the tragic reality of modern warfare. It hasn't changed since World War I. Uh, When you engage in combat on the ground, civilians are in the middle and they pay the price. Uh, And the Syrians today in Idlib are paying the price. This is a tragedy, but the responsibility doesn't fall on the shoulders of the Syrian government, which is trying to reassert sovereignty over its sovereign territory, or the Russian Air Force, which has been invited by the Syrian government to come in and assist it. The the responsibility is on the shoulders of President Erdogan of Turkey, of the United States, and any other nation that facilitates this creation of this al-Qaeda bastion in Idlib, which, for the interest of not only Syria, but indeed the entire world, needs to be eliminated and eliminated as quickly as possible.
0: And it's interesting to compare the way Idlib is discussed now with The way, for example, it was discussed when the U.S. was destroying Mosul in Iraq or Raqqa in Syria uh, to dislodge ISIS, which had occupied those towns. Uh, The way Idlib is discussed now, in the media, you almost wouldn't know that it's controlled by um, al-Qaeda-linked groups. But let me ask you finally, Scott Ritter, what is the solution for those Syrians in Idlib who don't want to live under the Assad government? Uh, it, It seems that they're are a sizable number of people who would fall under that category. Many people have come to Idlib after the Syrian government uh, retook other parts of Syria uh, that had previously been held by the uh, by the militant.
2: Turkey pays a huge level of responsibility here. Turkey is responsible. So I'm sorry Erdogan, you created this mess. Um, your, 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 your alternative is to open your borders and allow uh, those Syrian civilians who do not want to live under the rule of Bashar al-Assad who exist on your soil, and maybe talk about Europe about uh, you know absorbing some of this uh, some of this human this human uh, refugee uh, population. But um, look, it, we're, we're at end game here. And again, I, I don't want to be callous, but we're talking about the reality of war. Um, this Al Qaeda menace has to be excised from Syria. The, 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 the tool for doing this is, is military, uh, war, and people will die. Um, that's just the, 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 the harsh reality of the situation. Uh, Turkey can alleviate their suffering by recognizing its responsibilities, opening its borders, and allowing these civilians uh, to, 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 to exit Syria. But one way or another, every inch of Syria will be returned to Syrian government sovereign control. And one area of that, by the way, which we should
0: mention as we wrap, is Aleppo, which uh, for a long time had uh, a part of it occupied by militias. Uh, Aleppo, when the first protest against Assad broke out in 2011, Aleppo did not even take part. Uh, but then it was occupied, uh, East Aleppo was occupied by militants, and there was a, uh, a very brutal uh, conflict there for many years. Now, just, just recently, Aleppo was fully liberated uh, from the militants. And now, for the first time in years, you have uh, the Aleppo airport receiving flights again, and you have scenes of people going out on the street to celebrate the liberation of their city, or at least no longer having to live under extremist militants. It's something that we don't often talk about in the media. Uh, final comments, Scott Ritter, as we wrap.
2: Well, it's just that, that, um, you know, I'm not here to sing the praises of uh, Bashar al-Assad and his government. Uh, certainly there, there, there were problems. Um, that, that people had every right to, uh, to protest against. But the solution was not civil war. The solution was not sectarian conflict. Um, and now the Syrian government is restoring its uh, legitimate authority over the territories that had been um, seized by these jihadist uh, militants. Um, normalcy is returning. Um, if you take a look at Western Aleppo, you know, at one point in time, it was a, a, a devastated battleground. It's been rebuilt. If you take a look at the city of Raqqa, destroyed by American bombs. It's been rebuilt. Uh, there is there is a rebuilding taking place in Syria today. Uh, areas that have been devastated by conflict are being rebuilt. People are returning. Lives are returning to normal. Jobs um, are, are being you know created. Uh, this is the future of Idlib. If uh, we can just get Al-Qaeda out of there, Idlib will return to Syrian government control and like Aleppo, like Raqqa, like the other towns and villages devastated by war, uh, Idlib, too, will be rebuilt and become a place where uh, a Syrian family can, uh, can put down its roots and, and have a normal life. Um, you know, I'm not saying this is propaganda. This is reality, and this is the way it should be. And um, you know, hopefully that's the way it will be uh, once, once this fighting can be uh, brought to an end.
0: Well, one more obstacle on the horizon, though, is the fact that the U.S. Ha- is imposing economic sanctions that are getting in the way
2: of Syria's capacity to rebuild absolutely but um you know we're we're finding out the us uh, sanctions are um well 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 they they have a pinch um they they don't achieve what the us wants uh, you know china is in the process of through the uh, you know bridges and roads initiative of building a new silk road that stretches from china um through central asia iran iraq and into syria and syria will be a a beneficiary of this um Syria will rebuild. U.S. sanctions isn't going to stop that.
0: Scott Ritter, former Marine Corps intelligence officer, former U.N. weapons inspector, thank you very much.
2: Thank you.